Hello, listeners, and welcome to The Zoom Room, a youth-produced podcast where each episode we zoom into a different theme or topic through interviews and conversations relevant to us, the youth of Alaska. Zoom Room is a production of Alaska Teen Media Institute. I'm your host, Jeremiah Erickson. Last episode featured a roundtable discussion from youth filmmakers. Today, some of those same youth are taking the mic to their teachers, mentors, and other local filmmakers working here in Anchorage. This show will feature six different interviews, all conducted by ATME producers who are also aspiring filmmakers. We're going to start with an interview conducted by new ATME producer Mallory Toma. You're going to hear a lot from Mallory in today's episode. She's conducted four of the six interviews. Mallory is interested in becoming a film editor, so she spoke with different individuals whose background and work includes film editing. Her first conversation is with Quentin Oliver-Smith, founder of local production company Landsick Media. His recent short film, 1234, which he wrote, directed, and edited, was the second runner-up for the Jury Award at the 2019 Anchorage International Film Festival. Here's their interview. I'm Quentin Oliver-Smith. I'm a filmmaker and I'm self-employed at Landsick Media. So what inspired the name Landsick? I think it might have had something to do with a, a Modest Mouse lyric at, at some point, but I, I came up with it when I was about 16 or 17 years old. The idea behind it was, you know, you're like seasick, but on the land, like if you were like always on the sea. I, I'm not a sailor at all. Uh, <laughs> so I don't have any like uh, personal cred for... <laughs> Uh, being land sick at all, but I thought if you make up your own words, uh, it's a little easier to get found online. So how did you get to where you are today running your own media company? I had been making films uh, under the name Landsick Films for probably about five or six years. Um, there was a, a situation that arose that made me want to leave a, a job pretty expediently. And uh, as I did that, I thought I was going to get another job somewhere else. I, I interviewed, um, and it sounded like they were going to hire me. It took, it took the CEO a while to get back to me. And uh, it, within like the three weeks I was waiting, didn't hear a word about this job, I, got, I had two people come up to me and ask me to, to shoot videos for them. And I thought, you know, well, heck, why not? I, why, why, why shouldn't I just take a chance here and see if I can't just do that full time? Uh, it was really slow starting off, but things have kind of started to click as of late. And uh, at this point, it, it, it's been really nice because I ever since the, the, the tax incentive left, a, a lot of professional video professionals left the state. Um, and it kind of op- opened up some opportunities for me to get on jobs I wouldn't have normally gotten on in, in positions I wouldn't have been chosen for over somebody else. So as an owner of your own company, are you ever frustrated by the administrative responsibilities of running it, or do you feel they impede your creation of media at all? They absolutely impede. Uh, (laughs) They are very distracted a lot of times. Um, It is kind of nice. Sometimes I enjoy it because I feel like like an actual business person when I'm like figuring out how to pay my credit card bills, but... I, I have been enjoying it. There's a lot of, of the administration side of things that I'm still really clueless about and I'm excited to get better with. Um, 
but it is kind of tough to have two brains about something in the same day almost where you're you're doing all this math and figuring figuring you know fun stuff out like taxes and then oh yeah and then here's a video to edit it just kind of throws you a little bit do you feel you make a fair or a just amount of money for the work that you do <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, a lot of times, absolutely. Uh, for the amount of work that I really feel like I have to put into something, a lot of times, of course. Uh, a lot of times it's a very undervalued skill, and I will do a lot of extra work uh, to put it like my personal quality of, you know, I'm. they might have only budgeted for like three hours of editing um, between, you know, us and everybody that knows how to edit anything video wise it's probably going to take longer than that even just exporting uploading you know making a, a revision um so a lot of times uh sometimes people don't appreciate the the amount of work you might put into something for the for the price but uh, a vast majority of times at this point yeah i, I get I, f I feel pretty satisfied with with the arrangement do you have a college degree, and what is it in? Yeah, I've got a I've got a bachelor of journalism from uh, Ole Miss University U University of Mississippi, and uh, um, with a with a minor in cinema. Do you feel that it's relevant to the work that you're doing today, or do you think you could have gotten into the work without getting the degree? Uh, I would say both, um, if possible. Uh, it's definitely re relevant. Uh, journalism helped me kind of branch out and get comfortable talking to strangers and. Um, you know, also some re the research side of things for that, like I learned a lot about making documentaries and, and how to approach a story from uh, my journalism degree. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I've learned anything through film school that couldn't have been learned just working on set. And, uh, you know, I worked on a, a feature film right after I graduated high school and I got a, I learned a lot in just three months on you know, on a job like that, that film school, they'll, they're really good for theoretical knowledge and, you know, getting you comfortable working with gear that's way too expensive. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like more so your connections and, and your ability to work on set with people, uh, it, it's important to actually live that. So do you feel that having a college degree, do you feel that a different type of education, like internships might be more useful a absolutely and i mean I, I think on the job training is the most important kind of training you can get um and really what's i find beneficial about you know internships and, and mentorships are the fact that you get the connection uh, of the the person you know who is working in the industry and knows what the the realities of it are like instead of maybe having a teacher that has been you know out of the industry for 20 years still a, a wealth of knowledge but maybe not have the most relevant practical knowledge on, on how to find work and what the real world's going to be like. If you're like turning a video into someone that contracted you to make the video, do you ever feel discouraged by criticism that you receive on it or things that you are asked to change? There, there is a, a lot of muttering to myself. I'll be honest. Uh, and, and times, I try to keep it as professional <laughs> as possible in the day. I always remind myself it's what they want. You know, that's, that's the number one most important thing. That's why they're paying you to do this for them because they know what they want and they just need some help with it. So, uh, 
it can be it can be frustrating at times because you know sometimes you're gonna have just like a little bit different aesthetic taste of than somebody else will, and it, it can be kind of frustrating at, at moments. But um, ultimately, end of the day, you know, it is what it is. Okay, that's all the questions I had. Okay, cool. Thank you. Of course, thank you. That was At Me producer Mallory Toma talking with filmmaker Quentin Oliver-Smith. Up next, we have an interview that At Me producer Devin Schreckengost did with his former high school teacher, Tim Davis. Besides being a football coach and media teacher for West High, Davis's background also includes filming local snowboard videos. Here's their conversation. So, a bit of a broad question, but how long have you been involved with film or part of the film community? Yeah, you know, um, I started filming because of snowboarding. That was a big part of my life. Uh, when I was, I don't know, I was probably 15, I got a snowboard. Um, it was the first time I'd, I'd ever tried it, and it was it was pretty fun. Maybe I was a little younger, maybe 14. Um, and so the next summer after that, I saved up and got a snowboard. And then the next summer after that, I realized, hey, you know, this is kind of fun. Snowboard movies are, the, are, are fun. Um, and so I... Saved up, got a Fred Meyer. Went to Fred Meyer, got a Sony uh, eight millimeter uh, handy cam, high eight. Mm-hmm. Let's get that right. Um, but uh, and so I started making snowboard movies with my friends, basically uh, home movies for lack of a better term. And then that kind of parlayed into uh, working with on some side projects with different businesses in the city, um, some different local business uh, people, largely in the snowboard community, but. Um, did some stuff for a, a guy who made x-rays and, and did some wedding film and, and stuff, stuff like that. And I pretty much, uh, uh, paid my way largely through college, just doing that job. And, mm-hmm. and then, uh, as much as I loved it, it was cool. I, you know, I realized I was going to college to build, go be a teacher and, uh, wouldn't you know, and I was able to kind of mix the two by teaching the, the broadcasting side of the house, um, in our media program over at West. So as a teacher, um, you know, teaching film and media, what's your favorite project that you've worked on or that you've introduced? Oh, man. There's a lot. You know, I, th- I think that's, that's kind of tricky because I've seen some really, really solid projects. You know, when, when you were a student of mine, you, you put out some really, really good work. We have some a few students, uh, this kid Levi and a kid Jericho, that are putting out amazing work right now as well. And so to see those upper-level students succeed is really cool. But I think it's watching those students the first time they put together an edit and it feels like a real movie, like and watch their eyes light up. And in the first time they drop a, a, you know, a J cut on a conversation and they're like, Whoa, that's like the movies or, or whatever it is. I think the first time somebody sees that they suddenly open their eyes to a whole new world of art and creativity that they really never knew. Um, maybe they had in them. Um, and that's a really special moment. It's really rewarding. And it, it, I think that's just anytime that happens is, is the, definitely my favorite thing to do in class. Yeah, definitely. 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 Um, so of the filmmaking process, you know, um, uh, filming, editing, all that stuff. What's your favorite part? Hmm, favorite part. I. It's the process. It has to be the process. You start with... you. You start with a blank timeline and it's terrifying. Like that blank timeline, it's it's supposed to become something. 
and there's no real way to start it. And and I like to think it's organic. I capture things, I, I import things, I'll just throw them on the timeline and I'll start looking at clips all together. Um, I think music's a huge part of it. I've used a few sources between Free Music Archive. Um, I've paid for sources like Artlist and I'm using like Musicbed right now. They're all they're all good and I think it's listening to hours of 15 second clips of music to find that one that you you catalog and go oh that's going to be really good for this episode that's going to be really good for this life event mixing that together and then seeing it all come together is really satisfying but i i mean i just love the the process of of maybe this will look better if i take off one frame maybe get this whole shot out all together uh, maybe cross dissolve this or that i think that's is this, there is something magical to it, and it's it's not a suit. I mean, in the filmmaking world, yeah, it's common, but like in a, in life, not a lot of people get an opportunity to kind of play with time uh, the way you get to with Premiere. Yeah, totally. Um, when did you realize you wanted to be uh to become a teacher? Early. Um, that was I just I liked learning, and I don't know still probably pretty immature <laughs> probably still uh no i i like learning and i loved i loved college it it was an awesome experience for me and i think i think sometimes people forget that the experience of upper level education is it's it's a lot it can be a lot of fun um and i and i had a lot of fun i i was doing a lot of stuff on the side as well with these projects i was doing the media stuff while putting myself through school to become a history teacher of all things. I love telling stories. I think stories are what I got into it for is to, to talk shop and learn what it means to be human. But, uh, no, early on, I knew I was going to be a teacher. I think, I think maybe my senior year in high school, even I knew that that was something I was interested in. And I'd coached snowboarding. I taught snowboarding. I coached football. I coached baseball. I did, I just did a lot of working with people and I, I, I really enjoy seeing uh, other people take lessons and go run with them. It's a, it's, it's really rewarding when your students outshine you, like anything you ever could have done. Like that's really cool in whatever field you're in, whether it's in history or, or, or media or whatever, when they, when they run way beyond anything you did, that's tell you what, that's a really, really good feeling. Um, and so I, I figured that I guess I figured that out pretty early on and, and just knew exactly what I wanted to do. What pushed you to start teaching media more than just becoming just a creator of it? Yeah, I think it was kind of that whole connection between a lot. It was just themes in life. So, you know, call it motivation, call it the man upstairs, whatever you want to call it. I think it's like there's just these themes that kept reoccurring in my life that I couldn't ignore. I liked teaching. I liked filming uh, craziness and, and, and I liked putting stuff together for my friends. I like making edits. Um, I, in the snowboard and skate world, that's like, that's, that's kind of a cool deal. It, it kind of hide, it, it almost hacks the system a little bit. You're a filmer. And then, and then you now have this new set of skills, this different set of skills. Um, and I thought that was, I thought that was <laughs> really fascinating, you know, cause I fell a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can film and people are like, ah, that's cool. And so it, it, for lack of a better, it gets you in, it gets you the ticket to the dance. You know, it, to some degree you start filming stuff and people want you around and you start to edit and, and you meet a lot of new people and, and go a lot of cool places. And 
that theme of filming stuff and then that theme combined with I really enjoyed teaching stuff. Uh, and then this class got offered. I was offered to teach it and I could kind of create it how I wanted it. That was really cool. Um, and I'm really thankful for those opportunities to do that. And so I think that's when that, that, that big time transition of like, man, I can't wait to teach this now and show other kids how to do this. I could go out to turning and pass and go film with my friends and we could have four hours of footage. That four hours needs to become a two to three minute micro part. Um, and I think that that's, that's life, right? You have a lot of things you want to do and a lot of things you can include, but at the end of the day, you have to pick and choose. Um, and that skill of picking and choosing, um, I, I, I think that's where school comes in. I think that's a big part of it to educate, um, young people on, on how to pick and choose and, and use their time wisely. Cool. <laughs> we could keep uh, sitting in this room for hours just talking, but I think I think that's it. Cool. I think awesome. we're good. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, I'm proud of you. Keep it up. Thank go, you. Go film something. Go make something. That was at me producer Devin Schreckengost talking with West High teacher Tim Davis. We're getting back to Mallory's interviews. Next up, she talks with Charlie Sears, who is currently the treasurer for Alaska Filmmakers. Charlie also works as an editor and even edited a short film for Mallory's previous interviewee, Quentin Smith. Here's Mallory talking with Charlie Sears. I am Charlie Sears. I am part of Alaska Filmmaker, and I'm currently the treasurer, former president. So there are certainly higher paying jobs, but do you feel you make a fair amount of money for the work that you do in film editing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, we, it's always a struggle, but you know, it, trying to find out how much, you know, you're worth, but it's, uh, yeah, for sure. All right. So switching on to a little bit of a different topic, do you happen to have a college degree? And if you do, what is it? In? I don't have a college degree. Do you have a different type of job education that you'd like to explain? Um, you know, I went to college and, you know, I have friends that went to college and graduated I have friends like myself that went to college and then didn't go back after a semester. And we're all capable of, um, of, of doing the jobs that we do. And, every, and so it's just depending on where you want to take your life kind of thing. Um, and, and for me, job experience was the way to go. And I had an opportunity to work on Big Miracle when it was up here uh, in 2009. And I learned more in that two and a half months working on that feature film than I did in the four months I did in college. So that, that, that experience alone was more beneficial to me. Uh, may not have been beneficial to somebody else who wants to go to school, but yeah. So you mentioned uh, you worked on the set of Big Miracle and you also just mentioned that uh, you learn a lot by being on sets. Would you say that that's what you worked on that started getting you to the point that you're at today? Yeah, without that movie, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah, without that movie, because I met a lot of great people on that set. Uh, Deborah Schiltz uh, and Bob Crockett, who were uh, big people at that, or they're still big uh, in the in the state, but they were a big component of making the tax incentive happen. And so they were on that set, and I met them, and they kind of took me under their wing and and developed me as a filmmaker and as a as a professional on set. And so, yeah, I wouldn't be here today without that project. So you mentioned the tax incentive. Would you mind explaining what that is a little bit? Yeah. So every state um, 
not every state, but a majority of states have a film tax incentive that incentivizes films to come to their um, their state to film, and they, it's usually in the form of tax credits. And Alaska had one of the most aggressive with up to 56% with a baseline of 30%. So if you spent $100,000, you, you could get back $30,000 uh, $30, in tax credits. Um, so when a producer is trying to make a movie, they're trying to see how can I get money back the quickest. So if you have a big aggressive tax incentive, well, they're going to look at your state more often. That's where Michigan, Georgia, Louisiana, all those big states that the film industry kind of blew up in, um, they had really aggressive ones as well. And, uh, and then, and so once people saw that, we started getting a lot of production productions coming up. And then in 2013, uh, I believe it got repealed. 2013, 2014, it was repealed um, because we went into a recession. So, um, tax, you know, the tax incentive did a lot of good for this state, though, uh, especially because a lot of productions came off in the off season, the winter time. So we were able to fill hotel rooms and things like that um, in the off season, which was pretty important. All right. So switching gears again. Is it hard emotionally or mentally to be criticized or told to change things that go with your vision compared to what you were contracted to do? Um, yeah. It, I mean, it can be. Uh, when I was younger, I fought really hard uh, for the things that I, I did in, in an edit. You, you grow up – when you grow up and you, and you get more experience with, with the process, you kind of uh, – you kind of let go – you kind of realize you have to let go of some things and not be married to them. And it's still hard because you might fight really hard for something, uh, but it is hard to 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 let go of of a creative vision that you may have. Um, and sometimes you know if you have a client that understands that you have, you're passionate about something, they see it, they'll they'll let it go or try to compromise with you. But it is tough. So uh, I've also been informed that you were credited in four films. I was wondering which is your favorite to work, which was your favorite to work on, and why. Four. Or were they? Um, Big Miracle. Uh, it was my very first movie. I'll, it's my very first movie I worked on, and uh, I'll say that's the best. It was the best experience. Even seasoned film, uh, seasoned people who worked in the industry for thirty years said it was the best movie they had ever worked on. Um, so, I would say that was probably the best experience. The one where I learned the most about how how the industry works as a whole, because like, and not on that film, it was very much like. We were in our own little box from the rest of the film industry. Uh, the one that I learned, like, really how everything worked was Frozen Ground, which was the Nick Cage, John Cusack movie that came up here. So how old were you when you worked on the set of Big Miracle? 19. 19. Yeah. Is that, would you say that that's a rather young age, or is that? Um, yeah. I mean, I, it was right outside of, you know, I, I went to school when I was 18, got back, worked at Best Buy, and then, yeah, I would say it was a... Yeah, I say it's young. I, I there was no. I was the youngest person. I was on the. I was the youngest person on set for four years before, like, Quentin Smith um, got onto the scene. So. All right. Um, that's all the questions I have for today. Unless you have anything you'd like to add. No, that's it. All right. Thank you for joining me. All right. Cool. That was at me producer Mallory Toma speaking with film editor and treasurer for Alaska filmmakers, Charlie Sears.
Coming up next, we'll hear from Atme producer Daisy Carter. She graduated from the film, audio, and media production course at King Technical High School. She interviewed her teacher from that class, Jeremy Blake. Besides teaching that course, Blake is a prominent crew member in a lot of local film productions. He's known around town as THE sound guy. And not only has he worked closely with Quentin Smith and Charlie Sears, who we've just heard from, but he's also the vice president at Alaska Filmmakers. Here's Daisy Carter talking with Jeremy Blake. How long have you been a part of the film community? Well, um, unofficially, I've been a part of it for about 10 years. Um, uh, Officially, I would say I've been working since 2012. So this will be my uh, this will be my eighth year. What is your background in film? My background in film. Well, so currently what I do is I am a camera operator and uh, location sound technician. So I worked primarily shooting TV shows, commercials, all that kind of stuff, or on larger projects, what I would do is I was a camera support. I'd be like a first assistant camera or second assistant at camera. And uh, we're just like mechanics that build the camera, take care of it. Um, but I'm primarily known for being a location sound technician. So I go out to shoots with a whole array of microphones and recording devices and wireless transmitters. And it's my job to make sure that everything sounds clean and good and that I give uh, the editors a variety of different options. What are your favorite projects that you've worked on? My favorite projects that I've worked on... They would have to be feature films. I've had the opportunity to work on three different feature films, and those are my favorite. I I like doing creative films, uh, stuff that has like a narrative uh, that we get to spend a little extra time kind of, you know, playing around with how characters act, the lighting, set design. I do a lot of that for short films. Sometimes they're concept, sometimes they're paid work, but feature films were always my favorite because... You get to spend so much time on them, and it's you get a group of people together, and they're all working towards this common goal, and you know we're all fighting to make this uh, make this vision happen, and you kind of you develop this uh, what I what I affectionately call a trauma bond <laughs> with everybody because you've 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 been in the foxholes with each other, and you've had those early mornings, and you've had those late days, and. You know, we all kind of have these memories together, and uh, you know, these are these are people that you remember for the rest of your life. And uh, you know, yeah, I wish I had more opportunities to work on more feature films because, you know, you really you really get to meet like some of the best people in the world. Could you possibly like mention like what feature films you're talking about? Oh yeah, so like the three feature films that I've worked on, one was called Proper Binge. It was one of my first projects that I ever worked on. I started out as an actor on that. And I had a lot of fun with it, but I quickly became interested in all the stuff that was happening behind the camera instead of front of the camera. Two other feature films that I've worked on was Moose the Movie and Sudsy Slim Rides Again, a gentleman named Chad Carpenter. You've probably seen his comics. And yeah, those are the three big ones that I got to work on. Do you have any passion projects that you are currently working on? I do. I have a project that I'm working on with a group of friends called Matt and Megan. And uh, we've currently, we have three episodes that we've made of it. 
and we've put them out on Amazon Prime and YouTube, and I think we have a couple of them on, on Facebook. Uh, currently, we have another episode that we've just finished. We're in the middle of uh, production for a uh, fifth episode. I'm actually going to be working on that this weekend. It's kind of fun. I get to, I, I'm directing an episode, and then there was an episode before where I was the director of photography on, so... Yeah, it was a it was a good opportunity to try different roles. Definitely finding out that uh, I enjoy running the camera and the uh, and the sound equipment a lot more than I do directing. But you know, it's a lot of fun. What is your favorite aspect of filmmaking? My favorite aspect of filmmaking is the community, the sense of community that you get out of it. You get a group of people who come from all different walks of life and have all these very specific talents and they wind up working so hard together trying to bring something to life whether it be a reality tv show or a commercial or a feature film um, and it's just it's just wonderful watching all these different things come together uh, and to make something that uh, it doesn't exist and that's the thing to remember is like all films are kind of you take nothing. You take all these things that are laying around and you build something that, you know, becomes a product, an item. Uh, you know, it's kind of cool. It's like, I don't know, it always reminds me of alchemy, taking something and turning it into something else. You know, you take people, you take equipment in a static environment, it's doing nothing, and you make a movie. You know, you get to make art or you get to tell a story. You know, it's kind of fun to think about that when you think of like larger films like uh you know like a movie like Jurassic Park or Blade Runner and it's like these were all just ideas that people had and at some point everything came together to make it happen and it's it's really exciting i get i don't know what it is but just being on set working with people just you get this kind of buzz where it's like oh my gosh we're making something and i have no idea what it is so it's really that's probably my favorite aspect how did you become from being a filmmaker to being a teacher? What had happened, I was freelancing and working jobs, you know, just kind of hopping from gig to gig. I had just wrapped out on Sudsy Slim Rides again, and I was working for Royal Caribbean Cruises. Uh, we were traveling all over Alaska and filming these uh, highlighted featured people. I was working with a director named Jake Rosenthal, who has made a bunch of skateboard videos. It was very popular. And one morning I woke up and I had nine phone calls, uh, eight of them from people that I had worked with and one of them from the uh, current pr the, at the time, the current principal of KCC, which was King's Career Center at the time. And they were all asking me the same thing. They said, hey, there's a teaching job that's available uh, for their film and audio program, do you want it? And I was like, I was kind of blown away. I was like, holy cow. Uh, and I had known two instructors that were teaching that program before me, April Frame and Mackenzie Banbury. And I remember when April Frame was getting ready to move on and wanted to get somebody else in there, she approached me about it. And I was like, you know, I didn't feel like that was the spot I needed to be. Um, I didn't feel like I had enough experience or I just I just didn't feel right at the time. I felt like I had a lot more to do that I wanted to do in my career. And then uh, Mackenzie Banbury took over and he got a much better job offer working for a drone development company. And so all this stuff kind of came at the last minute. I was in the middle of this Royal Caribbean shoot and I had all these phone calls and these people were asking about this and that. And I don't know, I I thought about it and just like how short the notice was 
And I thought, you know what? I should at least try because I don't know if anybody else would want to go for this. And I had worked with a lot of people that had come out of the used to be called radio and television uh, before April rebranded it into the film audio and video program. And I had worked with a lot of people and they had nothing but the nicest things to say about that school and the program and all the different projects that they got to work on and the experiences that they had to offer. And I just I felt that it would have been a real shame if uh, somebody who hadn't actually been out in the field, who hadn't been from the industry, uh, uh, wasn't able to get in there and, and provide that stuff. Um, so when I, I went in there, I interviewed for the job, and I wasn't even sure I was going to take it. I just was going to interview for it and kind of feel it out. Just the response that I got out of the committee that was interviewing me, I got to see the facility, and I kind of just, it just kind of felt like I should give it a try. And so I kind of told myself, you know, I'll give it a year, and, you know, if I don't absolutely hate this, um, you know, I might try, you know, I'll try another year. You know, I might try a couple years and see what happens. And um, I'm starting my third year now, and I'm I'm, kind of digging it. I really am. And uh, that's where I'm at. That was At Me producer Daisy Carter talking with her former King Tech teacher, Jeremy Blake. Next up, we have two more interviews that Mallory conducted. She went down to the local production company, Frostline Studios, to speak with Richard Cooper and Hannah Pratt. We'll first hear her talk with Cooper, who started Frostline Studios, then Pratt. And just to clear things up, both Cooper and Pratt were in the room for each other's interview. So a few times you'll hear Pratt address Cooper as you in her interview. Let's take a listen. My name is Richard Cooper, and I am the owner of Frostline Studios. So how long have you been owning and working with Frostline Studios? I started Frostline in 2009, but I've been in video production. I started video production in 1999, last century. I'm getting old. What caused you to be interested in video production? Well, it's an interesting story. I was a professional touring musician as a first career. So I toured for years and was in recording studios and doing that and writing music and composing. And when I came back to Alaska from, I retired from touring, I was done with that lifestyle, came back to Alaska and built a house, got married and was still writing and producing music on my own. And I wanted to write and score, well, score a film. Like that was my, that's my, that was my goal is to score a movie and get my music into films and television. And in that process, the end of this new thing that had just started in my hometown of Haynes, uh, the internet, <laughs> I started looking around and I was researching that thing and trying to find people that would listen to my music and discovered, uh, don't even remember what the software was called, but it was a very crude video editor. Uh, that I downloaded and I was hook, line and sinker into video editing. And you can probably relate to that. It was all in, I was just like, you know, and I was, you know, it was just like I was 14 again and picked up the bass for the first time. It was just that kind of intensity. So uh, immediately I took a right turn and uh, started producing videos. I quit my job. Uh, and started a production company in 1999 called it Talon Productions because I was you know living in Haines where all the eagles are. So 
Uh, first thing I produced was a series for the Outdoor Channel that um, never quite got onto the Outdoor Channel, but they wanted it badly and I did too, but I just didn't have the marketing experience to, to sell it. But that's how I got into video production right there. The irony there is that for years, I never wrote another piece of music because I was so into making the films now. And it's so easy to find great music on, you know, First Calm and all these different music libraries. But now that I have the recording studio, we're getting back into that. I'll start writing again and do it. Again. So it's, yeah, it's been an interesting 20-year uh, circle. So you say you quit your job and started a production company. Was this a big leap for you to take? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was making, you know, and this was in 1999, 2000, I guess. 2000 is probably when I um, actually quit my job. But it was, you know, months, uh, just a month or two after I discovered it. But I was making almost 30 bucks an hour driving a truck. That I didn't like it, but I was making good money. And we built our house and... Uh, we didn't have any kids yet, which was good, but um, but yeah, it was a it was a big thing. It, it's it's always a big thing, uh, for someone to completely change their direction and go all in on something it, when you don't know it's going to work. That is, um, it's hard to describe. And it's really, really hard to do, especially when you're a young person and everybody thinks they can tell you or that they should tell you what you should be doing and how you should do it. But you're the only one that can make that decision, right? So I had people that I really, really respected that were my parents' age coming up to me and go, are you freaking crazy? What the hell did you just do? You know how hard that job is to find in a town like this? It's a small town. You know, and I'm just like, you know what? I, I, anybody can drive a truck. And my dad was a truck driver. He loved it. It was his passion. He drove a truck and, and did uh, machinery work throughout his whole career. And he just absolutely, that was his thing. And it's great. If that's your thing, do it. But if it's not, and you're punching the clock because it's just what everybody says you should do, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. So quite obviously, in the end, this all worked out for you. How hard was it to get your business into it in the beginning? Just still trying to work it all out. Seriously. It's a never-ending process, right? 20 years later. But um, yeah, well, I, I have to say it was really excruciatingly a difficult decision. Because, okay, so I had made that decision to start the production company. And I did it for a couple years there in Haines. And I don't know if you know anything about Haines, but it's a very small town, southeast Alaska, very remote. Nobody lives. I mean, it's 2,500 people. So I started to do this um, tourism channel. Uh, I thought it was an original idea. It was, it was great. You know, and I, I, I made videos for the local tour companies to uh, then put on in the hotels. And... But yeah, it was a really, financially, it was just a ridiculously hard struggle. But we were young. I owned my house because I built it and I didn't have a mortgage. So we didn't need to make a lot of money. Um, but when the opportunity came to come to Anchorage and work with the Alaska Channel, who was doing exactly what I was doing in Haines, only on a huge statewide scale that I had never seen, 
I jumped at it. And so I actually went to work for somebody else because while I was pretty good at what I did, I still wanted to develop those skills. And the Alaska Channel at the time wanted to build their internal production company so they could not use contractors, but do it internally. So I jumped in 2002, I jumped on that. And we, I, lo- I literally just locked the house up in Haynes and moved my, ha- my wife, um, my two dogs, and our new son, who was two years old at the time, to Anchorage to work for Alaska Channel when they offered me a job. And I worked from 2002 to 2006 as the Alaska Channel as their main production guy and built this big, huge production company in there. And we had four high definition edit suites. We were the only people at the time doing high definition, uh, full, full productions like that. We, we adopted it quite early and they just gave me all of the, uh, freedom and support to, to, to do and learn. They didn't teach me, but they, but they gave me the opportunity to learn. And so that kind of gave me a foothold in the Anchorage market as, as a producer and a uh, director of photography. So in 2009, seven years later, um, I was ready to open Frostline Productions. And so that's what I did. So how long have you been editing? Um, well, I have been editing. So I did go to film school um, and I kind of got a good handle on editing when I was there. Um, I graduated in 2018. Um, but I've been working on my own stuff um, and in Premiere uh, since... Um, before that, yeah, um, probably 2012. Okay, so having a degree, do you feel that this is um, not relevant but imperative to the work that you do today? I don't think it is imperative. I think what Rich said is all true, um, for sure. I There's a lot of work that... There's a lot of stuff that I do that I have learned from from school uh there's a lot of like editing keyboard shortcuts like a lot of actually a lot of the editing that I know how to do I only I only know be through a lot of that practice um of going to school and having that specific I mean I had a, I got really lucky with the teacher I got for editing and uh she she included keyboard shortcuts as part of her class and uh that helps everything go faster and um so I think that, yeah, like that kind of stuff is really important um, to learn. And knowing myself, school was was the best option for me to learn because if I had gone to business school or if I had gone and said, okay, I actually want to be an environmental scientist, which I think is what I would have done otherwise uh, if I didn't do this, I wouldn't have done as much work in the background of of my schooling um to get me to where I am now um I because because at film school they really like like make you produce stuff all the time and you're just like in that grind of just like constantly especially later in the in your years there like there was a there was a, a class I had that I was um, producing like a video a week and they weren't just short videos either. Um, and so 
that kind of practice was super stressful, but it was so good. And I like grew so much that semester specifically. Um, and yeah, I don't know. There's just like, I learn really well in, in that kind of a situation, uh, with a little bit of extra pressure. So, yeah. So coming out of film school, how did you get to where you are now? So I actually, uh, interned for Rich, uh, back in like, 2012 or 2013 before when I was still in high school and I yeah I was probably your age and I was like it was the year before my senior year in high school and I was like Rich what what, should I go to film school because I was about to be applying to colleges and Rich basically told me that what he just told you (laughs) I was like um you don't have to I didn't and I was like great I'm gonna do it anyway um because really when I thought about it I didn't think I couldn't think of anything else I would rather be doing I grew up watching like every time we watched a movie as a family because it was the DVDs, right? It was like before Netflix and streaming and everything. So you would go to Blockbuster and you would rent a movie. And I always had to make sure that it had special uh, special effects on, on the backside on the menu because I would watch. We would watch the movie as the family and then I would stay up late and watch all the behind the scenes of that DVD. And I was just like, how did they do it? I want to know. Like, let me see. And my dad was like, no, she just wants to watch more TV. And my mom was like, no, she... She, she wants to know the, that kind of information. And so, like, I have I have watched the behind the scenes for the fourth Harry Potter movie probably more than I have watched the fourth Harry Potter movie. And that kind of is, like, where I was just like, it's so cool. I want to do that. I want to – and I couldn't, I couldn't get away from it. I just had to do it. And mom got me a video camera, and I was always out making videos with my friends. Um – And so when I was like, got to apply to college, I was like, I don't know where else, what else I would do. I, I have, I, I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing than making, making films. So working here at Frostline, do you feel that it's harder to edit being supervised by someone else or do you feel restricted in the way that you're able to edit no rich is so great <laughs> he kind of, so actually the reason i'm i started working here full time is uh i i so i graduated in 2018 and then spent four to six months twiddling my thumbs applying for uh production work down in like Portland and Seattle because I was like those are growing places I want to be there and didn't get anything um, because they want you to already live there and I was living here uh, in Anchorage and then so I started working at Fire Island the bakery and uh, that was all well and good and I worked there for six months and then I ran into Rich uh, and I was like do you need any help at all because I will literally work like I have so much free time and I just want to get my hand like my foot in the door uh and be doing something related to film I don't care what it is and he was like yes I've got lots of photos that I need scanned and I said great and then uh, so I would come in and scan pictures and do some like basic color correcting for him um and so basically within a couple months of me starting to work for you uh I uh basically like had a feature length documentary to with get my hands on and then you just let me go that was at me producer mallory toma speaking with richard cooper and hannah pratt of frostline studios 
And that's going to do it for our show today. Thank you for joining us in the Zoom room. We hope you enjoyed yourself, and we hope to see you next time. This podcast was made possible in part by a grant from the Alaska State Council on the Arts. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Anchorage and help keep our podcast going, you can donate to our organization by going to alaskateenmedia.org and click Donate. Also, on our website, you can learn more about what our organization does, listen to past episodes of our podcast, or find out how you too can get involved. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you to all of our interviewees, Quentin Oliver-Smith, Tim Davis, Charlie Sears, Jeremy Blake, Richard Cooper, and Hannah Pratt. And thank you to our contributing AtMe producers, Mallory Toma, Devin Schreckengost, and Daisy Carter. Our show's theme music was composed by Kendrick Whiteman. It was recorded at the Alaska Teen Media Institute Studios and edited by Devin Schreckengost. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Jeremiah Erickson, and I'm signing off.